Let us pray. <clears throat> Once again, Holy Father, we come before You and ask that You would be with us as we continue in this worship. Help us, strengthen us, bless our minds to be fruitful and alert unto the things of Thy Word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come now to uh, a section that I've, I just gave it a, uh, the, the topic name of eternal life in verses 10 through 13 of 1 John 5. We'll read these verses. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. I want to pause here for just a moment and direct our attention back to... uh, Verses 4 and 5 that we mentioned this morning. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. And who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And so you see here that uh, being born again Overcoming the world and believing that Jesus is the Son of God are all connected together. And though we uh, uh, looked at verses 6 through 9 separately in some sense, yet we still, uh, uh, it's all still tied together because in, then he comes on down in verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath this witness in himself. So we looked at the witness of God, which is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We looked at the witness on earth, which is three that agree in one. And then John follows it up and says that this record we have, this witness we have, as it were, because the witness of men, I mean the the record here, we find that it's all connected together. And if you do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then you're calling God a liar. And many people would say, oh, I would never say God's a liar. But by denying the testimony of Jesus being the Son of God, that's what you're doing. It's very essential that one believe. 
not in order to get life, but he that is, or he that has life, is a believer. And yet you have people testifying just about not in various religions under the guise of Christianity that says a person could make a profession of faith and live however he wants to live and still be one of the Lord's. Well, John denies this. And I don't see how anybody can read 1 John by itself and come up with such God-dishonoring principles. Verse 11, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. I want to pause again. He didn't say God has given us eternal life and we'll live eternally in heaven. Though that may be true. It is true. But He said God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. In other words, if we're not in the Son, if we're not living in Christ, we don't have any right to say that we have eternal life. Verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Still talking about the Son of God, as we pointed out from verse 5 on down. And we could go back to Chapter 1 and verse 1 of 1 John. Because it's still, uh, uh, particularly verses 1 through 3 of chapter 1. In other words, this whole epistle centers around Jesus Christ being the Son of God. And then verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So, what's he talking about here? Obviously, John was not writing to try to get somebody to believe. He said, these things I've written unto you that do believe. They're already believers. And even though it says that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, He's actually saying that you might keep on believing. This is the same testimony that John had 
with regard to the Gospel of John. Turn back to John chapter 20. I have pointed this out many times. And because of modern preaching, it needs to be pointed out many, many more times. Now I'm going to set the premise and I'm going to read the verses. The Gospel of John was not written to get an unbeliever to believe. John 3.16, one of the most quoted verses of the Bible, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not saying that God so loved the world that if you will believe, you will have life in Him. John 3.16 is saying, God so loved the world and gave His only begotten Son that whosoever is right now believing has eternal life. Believer, you don't have to wait till you're glorified to have eternal life. You have it now. And in John chapter 20, the last two verses, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. And as I pointed out before, there are only seven miracles recorded in the Gospel of John. The other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have miracles that Christ performed that's not even recorded in the book of John. But these seven that are mentioned in the book of John, verse 31, but these are written that you might, and if if we were might believe, that's present tense. In other words, if we were to emphasize it in our modern English, but these are written that you might keep on believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that continuing to believe, you might keep on having life through His name. Now that's the grammatical intent of that verse. And hardly any Bible commentator will give it that. The Armenians won't. And many who profess the doctrines of grace don't. And they know Greek. Many of those people know Greek. 
They know the Greek. They know the grammatical construction. But they will not give it the proper interpretation. I believe A.T. Robertson does. I'd have to go back and check again. It's been a while since I've checked that. But I came across that 50 years ago. And I have yet, to my remembrance right now, I have yet to hear a preacher emphasize that and hardly any book that I've read that comments on it or sermon preached on it will give it that interpretation. Now they'll do it with 1 John 5.13. They can hardly get around it there. But the general way verse 31 of John 20 is presented is that these signs are given that you might believe and be saved. Or that you might believe and be justified. Or that you might believe and be adopted. Or be reconciled. Or have life. That you might believe and have life. And while that's what it says, they don't emphasize that you might believe in your having life. They give the idea and the impression, they leave the idea and the impression that you have to believe first in order to get the life. Though sometimes in their sermon they'll say, well, you can't believe unless you have life and God gives you life and God gives you faith and, and so on and so forth. But they still don't give it the full force of what it's actually teaching. Just like they don't, don't with John 3.16. But the point that I'm making is 1 John, as well as the Gospel of John, was written to believers. It wasn't written to unbelievers. And many organizations... We'll print out the Gospel of John in order to hand it out and give it to folks hoping to, quote, get them saved. Now, I'm not against giving the Gospel of John out. But it's their purpose behind it. Their purpose behind it. But this whole section 
verses 10 of 1 John 5, 10 through 13. Even though the whole 1 John is teaching this, these verses are kindly a microscope that's centering in on eternal life. The eagle eye, if you please. The eagle soaring hundreds and hundreds of feet in the air has such eyesight that it can see a rodent running across the ground. He hones in on it and makes a dive down, swoops down and gets it up and consumes it. Hopefully God will bless us to swoop down as it were and feast upon this. And like I said, the overall subject matter really doesn't change because the record in verse 11 that he's talking about is this same witness that is talked about in verses up above. He that believeth. In other words, we can point it out uh, again as we have many times. That ETH on the end is what? Present tense. Present tense. He that is currently believing. He that is continually believing. He that has, actually this is present active participle, and is the idea of one that is constantly believing. This is his way of life. It's not somebody who initially believes, but one who is constantly believing. He has the witness in himself. Now, I do not want to overstate the case because while this is true, the tenor or drift of a believer's life, as long as we are in this sinful body, we still wax and wane in our belief. Obviously, many times, we like the man with regard to 
his son being healed, cry out to the Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So while I am stressing belief, don't think that I'm denying the fact that sometimes we're weak in faith and we're faint and we're dim. We still struggle and as long as you live in this body, you're going to struggle with sin. John made that plain from from the beginning on. Remember verses, First uh, John one, verses eight and ten, where it said that if any man say that he has no sin, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. If any man says he has not sin, uh, he makes God a liar, and things of that nature. And yet, may God bless us to know in the midst of our struggles that our witness and the witness of God being in us is still genuine. In other words, beloved, John is making it plain and we need to make it plain that though we are believers and we have the witness that God is in us, we still battle sin. I do not know how to Explain it to where you can say, well, I know I'm a believer. I also know I'm a sinner. I don't know where one starts and the other stops sometimes. And I struggle with my own self. So often I wonder, how is it that I could be one of the Lord's? And yet at the same time, I can't deny that God has made a change in my life. I know the saying is kind of trite, 
but it's still true. I'm not what I would like to be, but I know I'm not what I used to be. I can't deny that. I can't deny that. And may God bless us to know that the witness is in us. Because one of the most terrifying things that I can think of is Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. I'm going to read those to you. After Jesus said, By their fruits ye shall know them, He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So it is very essential that we know that we have the witness in us. Because unless we have this witness in us, we do not have eternal life. I want to read a couple of statements. From John Gill. First of all, Gill said, Wherefore the doctrine of assurance is no licentious doctrine. In other words, knowing that you have the witness doesn't cause you to live in sin. No persons are so holy as those who are truly possessed of that grace. And as for such who pretend into it and live in sin, it is a certain thing that they in reality know nothing of it. And John in this epistle continually reminds us that those who are genuine, those who are genuine, uh, and obey the commandments, prove their love by their deeds, overcome the world, do not love the world, walk in the light, exhibit true faith, and many other tr- Christian graces. Now you say, well, if I've got this witness, what is it? Well, notice what it says here. 
He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. If I were to ask you, do you have the witness in you? Could you say yes? No? I think so? Or I hope so? Concerning the witness, I think the comments of John Gill may be helpful. Listen. Of the need He stands in of Christ. In other words, if you've got this witness in yourself, you know that you need to stand in Christ. You can't stand in your own works. You you need to stand in Christ. You realize and know the suitableness and the fullness and the excellency of Christ. This witness in you, the Spirit of God enlightens into the impurity of your nature. The Spirit testifies that you are impotent to do anything spiritually good. That you have no capacity to atone for sin. Am I talking about you? If so, then you have this witness. If you've got this witness, it realize, you realize your insufficiency of your righteousness to justify yourself before God. It convinces you that nothing but the blood of the Son of God can cleanse you from sin. That only the sacrifice of Christ can expiate sin. That it's Christ's righteousness that will justify you from And that without Christ, you can't do anything. If you've got this witness in you, this witness testifies of the efficacy of the blood of Christ. In other words, if you've got this witness in you, it lets you know that only the blood of Christ would take away your sin. As well as the completeness of the sacrifice of Christ and the satisfaction of Christ and the excellency of 
His righteousness. He that comes to have such a witness in himself that if 10,000 arguments were ever so artly formed in favor of the purity of the human nature and the power of man's free will and the sufficiency of his righteousness against the sacrifice and righteousness of Christ, the dignity of his person as the Son of God, which gives virtue to his blood, sacrifice and righteousness, they would all signify nothing to him. And he would be proof against them. In other words, if you've got this witness in yourself, you know that to try to justify yourself in your own righteousness against the blood of Christ, there's no argument that could ever persuade you to come to the conclusion that you can do anything to be accepted of God. Hmm. In other words, beloved, notice this in verse 10 again. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. What is this witness? Out of everything that I've said, this witness is, I'll just put it as simply as I know how, I'm nothing, Christ is everything. And there's nothing that you can say or do to convince me otherwise. Christ is my all in all. And if I don't have Christ, I don't have anything. Look at Revelation 12. We're still talking about this witness. Here we're looking at this Witness as the testimony. Revelation twelve seventeen, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have, notice that, the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's the witness. Revelation 19. Verse 10. 
And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See, thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice that. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, this testimony, this witness, these words are all the same. One's verb, the other's noun. But it's talking about the witness, the testimony, the record that God has given. Beloved, every child of grace, every believer has this testimony in him. This is what John is saying. And if an individual is running around here and doesn't know whether he has eternal life or not, there's something wrong. And yet, as I said before, there are times when we all struggle with it. I like what one man said. I heard this probably 50 years ago. Well, I know it was. I thought it was a good saying. We need to believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. But too often, we believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs. Yea, beloved, believe your beliefs. Focus on the truth of God's Word and believe it. As our Scripture reading this day has been in Psalm 119, which testifies to the Word of God. Beloved, let us testify to the Word of God continually rather than to our sinful self. I wish I knew how to explain the force of what John is teaching here. There's another... Notice here it says that There's another word that bears witness to this. Look in Romans chapter 8. Verse 16. The Spirit itself, literally Himself, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit 
that we are the children of God. There's that witness again. It didn't say the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And we wonder if we're the children of God. It's more positive than that. It's more positive than that. Even in Romans chapter 2 and verse 15, talking about the Gentiles that have a law to themselves, which show the works of the law written in their heart, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing and excusing one another. Beloved, John is saying that the individual that is born again has a living principle in him that testifies to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, the gospel plays a part in that. As well as Bible reading and many other things. Attending the house of the Lord and things of that nature. And we're not getting, want to get in all, to, all of the nuts and bolts of that. But the point is, this idea of an individual again, this idea of an individual being born again and living like the world is contrary to the Word of God. Because that living, vital principle that is a witness in the heart of a child of grace that has been born again cannot be stifled. That is, put out. It may be dim. It may be uh, uh, set back a little bit, but overall it's going to shine forth. Why? For whatsoever born of God overcometh the world. And who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Why does he do that? Because of the witness that is in him. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That's that, that's that witness. That's that victory. Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14 talks about this to some degree. I'll turn and read that. 
I'm going to start in verse 9 of Ephesians 1. If I had time, I'd go all the way back up to verse 3. But having made known unto us the mystery of His will. The child of grace knows something. According to His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself. You know the reason that you understand the things of God and others don't? It's according to the purpose of God which He purposed in Himself. And if He hadn't opened your blind eyes, you'd be, you'd be just as woke as the rest of the world. You say, oh, I wouldn't, I'd never get, believe that. Yes, you would if God left you to yourself. If God leave, left you to yourself, there's not a sin that you wouldn't commit. You say, well, some things are just so repugnant to me. I know I'd never do that. You don't know what you'd do if God left you to yourself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of the glory of His, uh, to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ. You trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. Why did you trust? After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. You know what that seal of the Holy Spirit of promise is? That's that witness that John's talking about. Well, beloved, I got a few more things to say about that, but it, it it would run us beyond our time limit. And I've got two lengthy quotes, and I won't take time for that. Lord willing, we'll come back to that next Lord's Day. But let us read these verses again. First John five. 10 through 13. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth God hath made he that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. 
to say that people that who do not believe the scriptures and do not believe the record that Jesus is the Son of God, that they're children of God too, is blasphemy. They've made God a liar because they believe not the record that God gave of His Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let us pray. O Holy Father, forgive me for being so inept to fully explain the strength and the power that are in these verses of what belief is all about. And I thank You, my God, that to one degree or another, that every child of grace in whom the Spirit of God resides, to some degree, knows this, though they may not be able to put it in words. Work in us to will and to do of Your good pleasure, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.